Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco, or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco on the Improved Photography Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks for spending a few minutes of your day with me. This is the first episode of 2017. I want to take a moment to thank all you listeners for a great 2016. I had so much fun being the host of a weekly photography tips podcast, and I hope you all had a lot of fun listening to them. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'd love to have you review and rate the show if you wanted to to help me out there. I've also been really excited to see so many of you posting the results of your annual top 10 photos to the Facebook group. I know I've said it on a few, few episodes now, but I wanted to bring it up just one more time. I promise I won't do it again in 2017 until December. You can go to our Facebook group by going to facebook.com slash group slash photo taco. Many of you are better photographers than I am and it's been really fun to see you share your top 10. However, I don't want photo taco Facebook group to become a photo sharing group. There's plenty of those types of groups out there and I'd rather have the group be a place for listeners to interact by asking questions in a safe place where they won't get attacked or belittled no matter how complicated or how basic the question. So let's put a timeline on how long I will be approving top 10 photo results and say that you have until the end of January 2017 to get that posted if you would like to share that there. After that, I just I don't want to approve any more annual top 10 results in the Facebook group until we get to December 2017. You can still post them on Instagram though and I would love to see you add hashtag photo taco, all one word, and hashtag top 10, all letters, no numbers, T-O-P-T-E-N, and tag at Photo Taco Podcast as you share your top 10 photos on Instagram. And feel free to do that for as long as you'd like. Love to see those out on Instagram. I just want to put a time limit on the Facebook group. Now let's get on to today's topic, culling like a pro. And before I get there, culling, I want to define that for anyone who may have just barely picked up a camera and just found Photo Taco. Culling is the phrase we use, the word we use as photographers to talk about how we take our big collection of photos that we got from a photo shoot, and we're gonna narrow down that collection, or not collection, that set of photos, I don't wanna use the word, it's not the Lightroom collection functionality that does this. It's, uh, you, you have all of those shots that you took at a session, and you wanna pick the best of those shots, the ones that you're gonna actually work on. That's called culling, C-U-L-L, and that's what I wanna talk about today, is kind of the process I use to do that. I decided to make this the topic because we're starting out a new year and I want to offer a practical tip I hope can help you throughout 2017 to do a better job of managing your photos this year so that you're able to find them through the year and it'll help you with your annual top 10 this next year. At least it'll help you from a technical and management perspective. Nothing's going to help you pick which of your babies is ugliest and make that any easier, which is the point of doing an annual top 10. If you organize your photos well, the process of selecting your best becomes much easier easier, especially if you use the collections feature in Lightroom, as I suggested. Go back and listen to that episode if you want more information there. But today I want to offer a recommendation on the process I personally use to cull my photos so that it's done quickly and yet it still has a lot of meaning and helps me to find my photos as I need them through the year. Before diving in, I do need to, to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Improved Photography Plus. Com. It's an incredible service where subscribers get, an ac- get access to resources to help you improve your photography, like the video training course Jim has out there called Lightroom Medic, which is really applicable to today's episode. It is a 103-minute video training course where he goes through a lot more detail about how to use Lightroom from an organizational perspective. 
Not a single photo is processed in the training video. It's kind of a course that's available, but it's it, in Lightroom Medic, he goes over catalog management settings for both organization and performance, culling, collections, keywording, facial recognition, backup, presets, brushes, and more. So if that sounds interesting to you, head over to improvephotographyplus.com and subscribe today. And I want to thank Jim and Improve Photography Plus for sponsoring this episode. Now, I want to go on a bit of a rant here for a few minutes. And I know a lot of you hate it when I do that. I take too long to get to the meat of the topic. So I'm telling you right now, if you want to skip this part, fast forward, I think about two minutes and you'll, you'll probably get to the meat of the podcast where I talk about the culling process. The first thing that I want to say here is there's far more than one way to cull photos in Lightroom. And in fact, I know a lot of photographers would argue that Lightroom is like the worst possible place to do that culling because it's so slow. And I couldn't agree more that culling in Lightroom includes some time waiting for photos to be imported, waiting for standard previews to be generated, and waiting for smart previews to be generated. That's a lot of waiting. I've said it before, and I'll take every chance I can at spreading the idea Lightroom desperately needs a new module to be added that I would call a cull module. The idea I have is that you could choose to use the cull module. You wouldn't have to, but you could before the import process where you do the generation of all those previews, the import process we have today. And so you'd click on that cull module, you'd point Lightroom at a, photo, a folder of photos, and then you have Lightroom pull the JPEG files embedded within the raw files to provide somewhat, you know, a lower quality preview of the photo. It won't be the same quality that you get after Lightroom's done the full import process, but I'm okay with that. I only want kind of the basic idea, the, the basic view of the image to be shown there. And seeing kind of what I, you saw on the back of the LCD screen on your camera, that's what's embedded inside of that, that, uh, that RAW file. I'm fine with Lightroom just pulling that out and showing it to me so that I can use that for culling. I think that in the cull module, they should let the photographer use all the same rating capabilities that Lightroom offers like stars, colors, and pick flags, but just use those JPEG previews so that we can decide how we're gonna rate the photos. Once the culling is done, you could give the photographer the option to only import the photos they rated highly or import all the photos and only generate previews for the photos they rated highly, something like that. And that would really, really speed things up. As a former developer and a guy who works as a day job as an IT professional, I am really convinced this would just really, really help things get sped up. In fact, I think that's how the really popular software that a lot of photographers are turning to because you can do the culling so much faster in Photo Mechanic. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how Photo Mechanic works. It looks at that JPEG preview that's embedded inside the RAW and it shows that to the photographer so that they can do their ratings. Adobe, if you're listening, feel free to contact me more about this idea. Okay, enough with fantasy land and enough with my rant. Hopefully that only took about two minutes. Let's get down to the core of the episode now. As I said before, there's lots of ways that you can rate your photos. And the most important thing I think to me is that you do it consistently. It won't be effective if you change how you do it shoot to shoot for sure. It has to have meaning and to have meaning, you kind of need to be consistent with it. You'll have a hard time finding the photos you want in Lightroom if you're constantly switching up how it is you rate your photos. 
If that's where you're at, decide exactly how you're going to rate it and do it this way this entire year. Try to make that be your objective. Figure out exactly how it is you want to do this and just apply it throughout the year. You can maybe make tweaks to it if you decide something's not working or you can try to just adopt the method I'm going to describe to you. But be consistent. Maybe something like five to ten shoots and stay with it five to ten shoots before you even consider changing something else and seeing if something uh, different will work. But it needs to be a system that makes sense to you, one that you can work through quickly since time is money and helps you to find your photos. I think those are some important characteristics you need to get out of your culling process. So with that said, here's how I have chosen to do my culling. I only use the star system for rating. And I decided on that primarily because it makes the most sense to me. I kind of was there already, but also because it happens to be metadata that seems to be universally recognized. If you took a look at a raw photo on Windows or Mac outside of Lightroom, just in the operating system, looking in Windows Explorer or in Finder, you can see the star ratings that you provided to that photo in Lightroom. Star ratings set from other programs or even from your camera, because some cameras will let you set star ratings as you're reviewing them on the camera, they show up in Lightroom. And if you ever decided you were done with Lightroom, then the star ratings would be picked up as you put your raw files into anything else. This isn't universal in with the color ratings or even the pick and reject flags like it is with star ratings. So it's a really good way to make sure you don't ever lose how you rate your photos no matter what software you use. So that's part of the reason I only use the star ratings, but it also just makes sense to me. It really helps me. And I think you'll you'll see that as I describe more of my process. I haven't always had the same meaning for my star ratings, but I've landed on a system that actually Jim Harmer teaches in that Lightroom Medic course, and I found that it really works well for me. One star means it is a useless shot like a picture of my finger or a, it's a blurry mess or some massively over or underexposed where it's like almost all white or black. It's just useless. It's a mess. It's never going to be good for anybody. Everyone would kind of universally agree, yeah, that's a terrible photo and it's going to be kicked out. That's a one star. And I have several of those in every shoot. I do. I'm making test shots. I'm getting exposure right. I'm setting up lighting. Whatever it is, you end up with one star photos and that's okay. It's part of the process. It's part of what I have to do. And uh, I know that if I need to save some space, if I'm running out of room on my hard drive, one of the things I could do is I could go to all photographs in Lightroom, filter down to the one star shots, and I could very confidently just delete them. In fact, you may decide in your own process that you are going to delete them and just get rid of one star photos, which is fine. I've personally chosen not to do that until I have to. And so far I haven't had to. But they're there and I know what that's for and it's an easy rating to apply. All right, two stars is for an average shot, something that's not very special. Maybe the composition's not great. Maybe my focus wasn't exactly on. It's really kind of just a snapshot quality level that might be able to be a lot more if I spent a ton of time working on it in post, but it's probably not worth the effort unless I don't have enough three stars from a shoot. So that's two stars, very average. Then three stars is the top as I call. And it means that it's the shot I really wanna come back to and do something with, spend some time on it and see if it can become a four or five star, maybe just stays a three and doesn't get demoted, which can happen. But those are the only stars that I'm using in calling, one, two, and three. 
That may be something pretty different from many of you listening. You may be using all five stars as you call. You may be using pick and reject flags or the colors. If that makes sense to you and helps you get your calling done quickly and helps you to find your photos after, then great. Be consistent with it. Do what you want to do. Do what works for you. And again, the most important thing is to be consistent. However, if it's taking you more than about ah, 15 minutes to call your photos, now I have to say that's 15 minutes after Lightroom is done building all of its previews and the import process. If it's taking longer than 15 minutes after all of that's done, even on a shot with like thousands of photos, or you can't seem to find anything a few weeks after a shoot, then I urge you to consider changing how it is you are rating photos and give this method a try. To briefly review one star unusable, two stars okay, three stars worth spending time on. Now let's talk a little bit more about why this can really save you some time yet still be effective. If you include all of your rating options in Lightroom, you have five options with stars, four more options with color ratings, and two more options with the pick flags, picked or rejected. That's a total of 11 possible rating options. And if you try to use them all with your initial culling, I think you're gonna waste a ton of time trying to decide on each photo which of those 11 ratings you're going to apply. In fact, having to decide just between one and five stars really slows me down when I'm calling photos. Deciding on the spot, laboring over the decision about, oh, is this a three, four, or five? I like it, but is it a four? Is it a five? Is it only a three? It's really debilitating rather than helpful. Paralysis by analysis. And your calling time, it just balloons. It takes so much longer than it should. So what's your goal while you're calling? You want to get down to the photos that are actually worth spending time on, right? That's what three star means to me as I rate my photos. Those are the shots that my gut feel as I looked at the photo for maybe a total of two seconds. I'd say two seconds or less per photo and you have to just make yourself give it a rating in less than two seconds. And that's, that's really helpful for me as I go through the process. When I go back to them, I may end up changing my mind on a shot. As I try to work with it, take those three-star shots, and I may discover uh, the exposure or the composition wasn't actually as good as I thought when I gave my gut feel reaction in less than two seconds on the photo, and it might turn into a two-star. Or, hopefully at least a few of those three-star photos end up being super good and I decide I can elevate them to four or five stars and I'm going to go through what that means to me because that's not what we're talking about here it's culling process and how you rate those I only focus on one two or three stars in my initial culling so that I can avoid that analysis paralysis and get the job done quickly not only do I suggest that you do your culling this way but if your business process includes calling with your client, and I bet most of you do not, but I happen to a little bit, it's not all of it, but that's not what this episode's about. Still, if that's part of your process, you know, have them do it too. It's really easy for our minds to handle three rating levels, and as you get going on the calling, it's easy for us to kind of mentally compare the photos in the same shoot against each other with those three levels. And I've had clients who say, wait, 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 go back. I want to change this one or that one to a three or a two or whatever. And that's fine. You can do that. I mean, they're the clients, so they're right. <laughs> but uh, even yourself, as you're doing it, you, you, can, you may decide, actually, I'm going to go back to that photo. I think that one is a three. And it might be relative to the quality level. And it's something our minds can process because we're only choosing between three. We don't have 11 possibilities per photo. 
that is just going to take forever to work through if that's the way it is. And that's definitely the definition of analysis paralysis. Okay, now let me give you another tip to add even more speed. And I have to credit Jim on this. It came from his video. I love the video training course that was the sponsor for this episode. And what he suggested was you don't actually have to rate the photo with two stars. Now, I have tried this and I don't always remember to do that. Sometimes as I'm going through, I just hit the two and it's fast enough that it's not a big deal. But there is a way that I've really found this to be helpful. And that's that I do my calling in the library module and I can see a bunch of the thumbnails up at once. And a whole, a lot of my shoots, I have a number of photos that look exactly the same. It's the same lighting, it's the same exposure, a, compos a composition or the same group of people or whatever it is. There's a bunch that look the same. And it's really fast then to be able to say, well, out of that group, maybe it's a group of 10 or 20, out of that group, these are ones, really simple to identify the ones. Those are losers and they're, they're not usable. And then I can say, and which are the threes? And there's only gonna be one or two that you want to be a three out of that group. You don't want to have a whole bunch of that group be a three. You've gotta really kind of evaluate and you kind of do a, a mini top 10 process right there with those photos and decide which of those earns the three. And you mark it and then you move on. You don't have to do all of the twos. If you have a group of 20 photos, you might have two that are ones because they were as you were getting ready as you were test shots or whatever. And you might have one three and boom, you're done with 20 photos in like three seconds. And I've really found that to be super helpful. Not quite as helpful when you want to go down and filter your photos. Like if you want to see the two star and above, because you didn't actually apply the two star to the photos, that could be a problem. Uh, but you could, uh, you, you, you can work with it and see, you could maybe select the photos that are less than three and then the, the ones that are ones are obvious and two star them all at once kind of at the end of your session. Whatever it is, I just have found that that can really speed it up if you don't actually apply the two star rating to the photos and you, you go through it. But uh, either way, just one, two, or three is kind of the, the point of how I'm doing this. All right, does this mean I am recommending not using the other rating systems Lightroom has at all? No, 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 I am not saying that. I regularly use other rating systems to help distinguish between my own ratings and the ratings of my clients or whatever else might be meaningful to me. I personally have decided to send my clients all of my two star and above photos. And this isn't an episode to talk about that. I know it's kind of something a lot of photographers disagree with, but I'm, so I'm not gonna say anything more on that except that I asked my clients to tell me which of the shots they want me to work on. Which ones do they want me to actually spend some time on? I want them to pick. And it's my uh, portfolio, sorry, it's my uh, portrait sessions where I do that. I, I have them pick. So I use the pick flag to mark their selections. I give them the two stars and up, they send me back the ones that they want me to work on, and I mark those with the pick flag. It's just I'm telling you I use the other rating systems. The interesting thing to me on that topic is a lot of my clients pick shots that I rated at two stars, and they don't often, they don't even pick the ones that I rated as three stars. So anyway, just kind of a side note there. I have also used color ratings to mark photos that they, the clients say they want to be delivered large enough to print at big, big sizes. So it's just a way for me to track information that they communicated to me and have it be in Lightroom all the time. You could use comments. There's lots of ways you could do this. The point is I am using the other rating capabilities in Lightroom, just not as I'm calling. 
So I use them to add more information long after the calling process. But while I'm calling, one, two, or three stars. Well, actually, mostly just one and three stars, but there you go. All right, one final thought. Without the call module in Lightroom, your calling process is likely to be slowed down quite a lot by Lightroom having to import the photos, which includes generating standard smart previews. That was what my rant was all about. The way I personally deal with this is to do the import as soon as possible after getting back from a shoot and not attempting to cull or process them until all of that is finished, until the import is done and until all the smart previews have been generated, smart and standard previews. I know it takes longer than it feels like it should. And Lightroom allows you to go because it'll do the preview generation in the background. So it'll Lightroom will let you move on to culling and processing the photos before all of that's done. But I've tried it both ways and I'm convinced you will get things done faster if you will be patient and it's so hard to do and you shouldn't have to. But if you will wait for all the previews to be completely generated, it will work better. Lightroom will will function faster. You will have less frustration. It will work better. Wait for all of that to be done before you call and process. Go over to your browser, answer some email, or respond to Facebook. You can use your computer to do a lot of things, especially if it's just browser-based stuff. I wouldn't go uh, try to move files on your hard drive or do video editing or anything like that while while it's happening in the background. But you can do a lot of things on your computer at the same time. Or you can take a break and go walk away from your computer and come back and go have a get a drink of water. That's good stuff to do too. Stretch your legs. Whatever it is, I just recommend you let that all finish before you go do your cooling process and it will be far less frustrating. All right, so that's it. That's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Quick reminder, you can suggest topics for the show like I talked about at the top, facebook.com slash group slash phototaco or by messaging me on Instagram at Podcast or sending me an email where the address is phototacopodcast at gmail.com. No question too basic or too complicated for the show. I will either research it until I know what I'm talking about, or I will get an expert to come on with me and explain something that I don't understand. Don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the Improved Photography Network. We have Portrait Session, Tripod, and Improved Photography. Wonderful podcasts I make sure I keep in my feed, and I highly recommend that you do as well. Also take some time to head over to the mothership, improvephotography.com. It's the reason the show exists and you need you to help me out and head over there. If you're not going there every single day, you're missing out on great articles, news, gear, and other photo tips. It is the best way to improve your photography. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of Improved Photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!